You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition Memorial Day episode. A huge shout out to all of our active military and veterans. If you had anything to do with this country becoming free or protecting our freedom, I want to thank you personally and on behalf of the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, thank you. So I hope you guys are uh, enjoying your weekend or uh, hopefully you don't ha- didn't have to work Memorial Day if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. Um, and yeah, uh, I plan to enjoy this upcoming Memorial Day weekend because I'm recording this uh, prior to the weekend. Uh, which, wouldn't you know it, rain and rain and more rain. <laughs> it seems like there are going to be some little bitty you know, snippets of sunshine in between all the rain. So I really hope to get the boat out on the water this weekend, even if I can't fish, just to be out on the water a little bit. But uh, I just don't know. It's looking like... Lots of scattered thunderstorms and stuff this weekend, so I'm crossing my fingers, but I don't have super high hopes. So I'm going to keep this intro uh, pretty short and sweet. We have a nice long episode today. Uh, reached out to a guy who had a heck of a 2020 whitetail season, really a hunting season in general. Uh, his wife killed an elk. Um, he killed multiple whitetail bucks. Uh, his wife and brother had success also, and so just a heck of a season. I don't want to ruin it all for you guys. Um, uh, Tyrell Roy is his name, and he did a great job telling the stories and kind of teaching along the way. Um, he was hunting on some family land, some permission land, and he also drew a pretty coveted uh, tag through the state of Oklahoma. So, again, I'm going to let him tell all the stories. I'm going to be quiet now. Uh, we got a nice long one for you guys today, so I hope you enjoy it. I hope you had a good weekend, and here's my interview with Tyrell Roy. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today. Uh, we are talking to Tyrell Roy. How are you doing today, Ty? Doing pretty good. Good, good to hear it. Well, Ty, before we uh, really dive into things, why don't you give us a quick little rundown of who you are and what you're from and, and uh, just a little bit about yourself. Uh, that sounds good. Well, first of all, thanks for uh, reaching out to me and having me on. Hmm? Kind of nerve-wracking, but also excited <laughs> to talk to you and <laughs> Relive some of these hunts this last fall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're excited to hear about it. So, I grew up in the central part of the state, um, actually east of Edna in a little ways, and that's kind of where I, I would say I cut my teeth hunting. My, I would give the responsibility of my passion for hunting I'll give that to my mom. She really instilled that in me. And I mean, my dad was there and, he, and we hunted a little bit at, at a younger age, but my mom had grown up hunting out West and 
so she really instilled that in me and would take me with her all the time and try to teach me, uh, you know, as much as she cared about whitetail hunting. And so as I grew up, I did a little bit of that with a gun, it, but it wasn't really until I was a teenager, more into my later teens that I really started getting into getting real passionate about it, I guess. But so I, I grew up in there and then I, I'm, went to work in the oil field and there was a in my early 20s and there was a, a stretch there that I, I wasn't able to hunt a whole lot but about 2015 I moved up here to the northwest part of the state I guess it would maybe be considered north central I'm kind of on the east side of the west quarter I would say mm-hmm. but so I moved up here uh 2015 and Man, my, my hunting drastically took off from there. And I, I'm not sure why all that is, just because I had maybe more time to hunt. And the deer hunting up here is way different than central part of the state. So I don't know if that made it made it a lot easier or not. But in since 2015, I've killed 11 bucks, 11 mature bucks with my bow in this part of the state where since I started bow hunting when I was 17 or 18, I'd killed, you know, five or six leading up to that point. So that was a, that was a big change, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just a little Girl, more, a little up, more open or go ahead. Uh, I was saying just a little more open terrain or just better hunting uh, land or, uh, or just more time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, so I think part of it was, you know, in, in most hunters' cases, that it evolving that goes on as a hunter and learning from trial and error. I didn't, so I didn't have anybody in my family that bow hunted. And I basically picked up a bow when I was 17, I think, because I wanted to hunt longer, you know. And that was really the only reason I started bow hunting. But I quickly fell in love with it and, it took me a couple of years, but I put my rifle down and, and haven't picked up a rifle to deer hunt with since then. Just because I love the challenge of getting closer and, you know, chasing that one, you know, mature buck, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say. But down there in Oklahoma or in central Oklahoma, there was a lot more pressure. I would say smaller tracts of land, more pressure, and the deer were scattered I would say they were more scattered. Where here, there's there's lots of funnels and pinch points. It's it's a lot easier to bow hunt because there's creek bottoms and there's river bottoms and there's pasture or field edges that that make it a lot easier. Where down there, it was just pretty much solid timber, mm-hmm. and so patterning a, a deer down there was was a lot more difficult. Gotcha, gotcha, sweet. So uh, you grow up. You yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So yeah. So I grew up down there in Central Oklahoma, and we had hogs like crazy. And and I listened to some of your stories on hog hunting. Really brings back the memories. I miss hunting the hogs, but we had lots of hogs. So I spent lots of time hunting hogs with my bow, and that's really kind of where I started developing, being prolific with my with my archery equipment, I guess. Mm. And then, so then I, like I said, I moved 
moved away and worked in the oil field for a couple of years and didn't really hunt that much. I hunted some, but not that much. And then I moved up here, and, and so I guess that's kind of – I married a girl from up here, and her family has some farm ground. And and now today I work on, on the farm with my father-in-law and help out in the family business, I guess. Awesome, awesome. I'd say good choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yep. Uh, so this last season you had an especially good year and, uh, you know, for myself and most hunters in the state, you know, you get two buck tags and usually a good season is if, if you feel both your buck tags, but, uh, you went a little above and, above and beyond this year and you actually filled three buck tags, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I mean, it was, when I found out I drew that tag, I, you know, I, it crossed my mind this, this could happen because, <laughs> Let's see here, 2017, 2018, 2019, the previous three years, I had filled both of my buck tags. And so, you know, I thought, you know, this could be a possibility. But I didn't I didn't dwell on it too much. I didn't want to jinx myself. But I knew I, knew I was going to try hard to make that happen, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, so, so our, our, like, a, a quick overview of our, of our season. Mm-hmm. So, we have... I don't even know how many acres that we have, you know, in this part of the state, mm-hmm. probably around 4,500 acres or so. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I can't hunt all of that land because of, you know, other people have hunted it longer than mm-hmm. since I've been around. So what I don't interfere with that, but, and I've gained some permission on a couple different farms around that are actually really good farms. And, so I, I let a buddy of mine come out here and hunt. He's from actually from Wisconsin. He came down and hunted um, last couple of days of October and first couple of days of November with me, and he shot two mature bucks. And my, my wife shot in October. She shot a four-year-old nine-point with her, her bow, and then she shot a, a, a great buck with her rifle later in rifle season, and she also shot an elk, and then I shot the three the three bucks one of those was the draw hunt and then my brother shot um a, a really nice mature buck on one of my farms mm-hmm. so so we had between my buddy my wife and my brother we had a incredible <laughs> year yeah. I, I mean one that's going to be hard to duplicate that's for sure mm-hmm. now i know people are wondering this was the elk in oklahoma or was it somewhere else <laughs> yeah so so the elk was in colorado my okay. my parents um, bought a outfitting business a couple years ago mm. and they they live up there now full time and, and run that so we've been putting in and, and we actually my wife and I had the same amount of points and we put in for the same tag and I didn't draw it she drew it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was that was if you ever get a chance to do that that, that is definitely worth doing mm. awesome I'm hoping to. I'm, uh, you know, I've done some over-the-counter stuff in Idaho, and I'm building points in a couple different states. But uh, it's one of those like, it's one of those things I wrestle with. Like, I'm so invested in it. Do I try to go with, you know, three or four points, or do I save up for the next, you know, (laughs) ten to fifteen years and try to go on some crazy hunt? And so, I definitely want to do it. I'm working on it. I just, uh, I got, I got to make up my mind. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, it's funny. I was actually talking to my wife the other day about this 
that same thing because I just got my points back. You know, I didn't draw a tag this year either. Mm -hmm. I, I got a point in Colorado. And so, like, that same question deciding, you know, what. But my kind of philosophy on it is you can save up forever, save your points up forever, and try to put in for a premium tag. And, yeah, you're probably going to have a good chance at shooting a trophy or whatever. But you think of all the years you're missing out, all the mm -hmm. trips you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. Yep. Yep. That's a good perspective. Good perspective. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So y'all had this. And, and yeah, the quality animals probably going to be different or whatever. But yeah, that's really, I mean, that's not why I do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the only reason why I do it. So Yeah. That's awesome. So y'all had this amazing year in 2020, and uh, and you did what most people, who knows, may never get the chance to do. You tagged three bucks, and uh, and I really want to focus. Uh, I did some creeping on your Instagram, and uh, I really want to focus on the uh, the draw hunt, and then a uh, buck I believe you called Moose uh, that you had a bunch of history with. Yeah. And so uh, I'll let you take your pick, whichever one you want to start with, and uh, and just take off. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I shot Moose first, so I'll uh, I'll start with Moose. Okay. Moose showed up on a place I call the Bates Place, and it's it's a mile. It's three hundred twenty acres. It's a mile long, running north and south, and on the south end of it is the river, and it's basically wide open pasture except along the river. There's some cedars and cottonwood trees, and it's a perfect corridor along the river. So. Of course, I was hunting, then the previous, you know, few years, I'd hunted that place pretty hard. And in December of 2017, Moose showed up. That's when I first, like, noticed this deer. And he, in my opinion, I think it was a two-year-old deer in 2017. Mm -hmm. He had, he was a nine, I think a nine, mainframe nine, and he had kind of a bladed G2 with a, a few kickers going off of it and and i had um tagged out already when he showed up but i mean he was a two-year-old i didn't want to hunt him anyway but mm -hmm. so i didn't hunt that much you know through december mm -hmm. but i kept my cameras out there and i kept getting pictures of him and then but he, i mean he wasn't really like anything like i was like oh that's a cool deer whatever mm -hmm. so the next year he blew up from two to three he really put on a lot of inches and, and now he was a mainframe 10 with these big flyers coming off his G2s. And I got a few pictures of him early, like September, a few velvet pictures of him. But I knew the deer wasn't living on that farm. He was to the west. He would always come from the west. He would always go to the west with the west. And so, so bordering us on the west is a, is an 80. It's a quarter mile wide, half a mile long. And I tried and tried to get permission on that guy's place, but he won't let me hunt. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that is like a bend in the river. The river is going west and it turns and goes north. And so I finally got permission. And actually, that wasn't until the following year. In 2000, in the summer of 2019, I got permission on that. It's like 200 something acres in that bend of the river, which it's just, and it's landlocked. You have to drive down a a dead road to get to it. It's, it's a perfect, mm. perfect place. But so 2018, I he had a few pictures of him, but 
he, I mean, he never was on my place in the daylight. And then I shot two bucks. By the middle of November, I was tagged out. And then he started showing up later, like in Dece- late December. He started showing up in my food plot and at my feeder pretty regularly in the daylight. So that's two years now that he's shown up in December toward the end of December mm-hmm. and he, and then he'll just camp out there for the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. So 2019 rolls around and I get permission on that 240 acres over there and I didn't get permission on it until late summer. So I throw up some cameras and I, I didn't even put a feeder up or anything. I have time to put a food plot in and anything like that. So I throw some cameras around and started getting some pictures of him just some random pictures and then like sometime in October. So we, what we do on the farm is we grow certified seed wheat and we plant, we, we start planting wheat October 1st until we're done with, you know, 3,500 acres of wheat, which usually takes me about 20 days Mm. to plant. (laughs) So I really don't get to start hunting or checking my cameras or anything until later in October. Mm -hmm. So after we finished with all that, I set up a feeder over there and my camera, and and sure enough, he he was hitting that super consistently. And so that was was 2019. So I decide, you know, I'm thinking I might hunt this deer because I I think he's a four-year-old, five or five maybe. And, I mean, he's, he's just massive and, you know, big deer. And... Let's see here. So October, I think it was October 26th was the first time I went hunting. And I went and found this stand cut down there on the river bottom. And I, I wasn't sure, like, where he was betting at. and But he gave it away at this time where he came from. And I was able to watch him. He was way to my east, you know, five, 600 yards. He came out on the river, river bottom. And he's up in this pasture and, and kind of cutting northwest. And he's four or five hundred yards away, so I throw a couple grunts at him real loud, and he he finally hears it, and he turns, and I mean this was one of those school hard knocks lessons, but he he's coming like perfect, like he's gonna you know come right by my tree, on on the east side of my tree. Well, I get impatient, and he's slowly coming in, but he's coming. And I get impatient, and I and he's probably 150 yards at this point. I throw a couple more grunts, which allowed him to pinpoint exactly mm-hmm. where I was. Mm-hmm. And then now he knows exactly where I was, and he circled that tree and got on the downwind side <laughs> and smelled me about 60 or 70 yards and took off. Man, I, but it was one of those. It was like that feeling of like. Man, I am bummed that that deer got away, but I was also super excited because I, I got to watch him for a while, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to shoot him yet because I knew that I could – there was a very small chance that a neighbor or something would shoot him. Mm-hmm. I knew he would stay right here, and he would probably be there the following year. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the next couple of days after that, I'm, you know, replaying that in my head over and over, and I finally told my wife, I was like, I'm not going to shoot, you know, I'm not going to shoot another deer. 
I'm not going to shoot that deer. Mm -hmm. I'm also some of these other mature deer I have, but I'm not going to shoot moose. Mm -hmm. So that was like the 26th of October. November 1st, this total new deer showed up on that place that's a half mile away Mm -hmm. on my food plot there. And that's another another tip I would say I'd throw out there is if if you're running a, a feeder or a corn pile or something, which I normally do, but I don't normally hunt those. Mm-hmm. I like to do it just to see what's coming in and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can build a pattern with the deer coming in there, and you can hunt them, you know, as he's coming and going. I think it makes it easier to hunt them that way versus at the feeder because they're mm-hmm. they're on such high alert, especially those old mature bucks. They don't they don't stay there very long. Mm-hmm. That was a but, very hard lesson for me to learn. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Yeah, because you know you get those pictures and you know they're there, um, and just yeah. I, I'm a lot like you. Like I didn't necessarily have any uh, like a hunting mentor. You know, growing up, a lot of it I had to kind of figure out on my own. And uh, yeah. yeah, it it took me a long time to learn that you got to back up back off those feeders sometimes. Yeah, yeah, man. Once I figured that out, it, it's been liked out. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of what I was leading up to here is a, a little tip is if you're, if you're going to put a camera out over your feeder or your bay paw or whatever, put other cameras around it facing away from it. Mm-hmm. I get more pictures of those, my shooter bucks that are passing, you know, on the downwind side of my feeder mm-hmm. or they're not coming to the feeder. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're scent checking it. Mm-hmm. Great. And it, once I, once I started moving my cameras a little bit and, I would get a lot more daylight pictures of these bucks, you know, passing by my my uh, feeder versus having my camera pointing right at the feeder. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's what happened on this. I had a camera pointing away from the feeder, and I started getting the pictures of this this deer, and and it was a deer I had, had no no history with, no idea it was anywhere around. Anyway, I ended up hunting that deer really hard, and he showed up on the 1st, and I killed him on the 8th of November. And he never came to my feeder, but he was all in my food plot, but never came to my feeder, mm-hmm. which was I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So I killed that deer the 8th, and by that time, I made my mind, you know, I'm not going to shoot moose, and my wife was... We were expecting our first child, and she was due, like, early in December. So I knew how to <laughs> fill my second tag before that happened, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which I ended up doing, like, um, December 28th or something, or November 28th. Cutting so then close. I can put, Cutting you know, close. moose out of my mind. Like, okay, I fill my tags. He can he can sit there and, and grow, make it another year. So the following year, I put out cameras you know, early, I put my cameras out real early and a bunch of different pinch points and all over that place. Just trying to get some pictures of Moose and trying to figure out where he was. Cause I, that's when I knew, you know, I'm going to kill this deer in 2020 or I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. So in July, I started getting pictures of him and, you know, right away recognize him. My good buddy was hunting with me in, in I think it was 2019 and Right at dark, Moose came in, and that's when he kind of got the name Moose because he, he his body was just so much bigger than any other buck that was around there. We watched him forever. Mm-hmm. He's just just a massive body deer. Now these these summer so, pictures, I got to ask real quick: Are you getting these on your place, or are these over on your permission place? 
Oh, yes. So they're both. I would get hmm. like every couple weeks, I would get a few pictures on my on the base place, and hmm. then, but almost real consistently, he was on my permission place. Hmm. And I, I narrowed it down to like the thicket that he was bedding in. And of course, he, he moved once he shed his velvet. But right. That's why. That's part of the reason I, I was asking because you. you know, oh, I just said that's part of the reason I was asking because you know before it, it sounded like you weren't seeing them until later in the year, and then this year you're getting summer pictures of them. So that's why I was asking where it was at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Over there I, on my my main place, I would just get a very few pictures of them through the summer and fall, and usually it would show up in December. Well, most of all these pictures I was getting, like I was getting tons of daylight pictures of him and not over bait or anything just in pinch points and little funnel areas and so i, I kind of narrowed down to this thicket he was bedding in with a little bachelor group of bucks and you know, I, I was getting pumped for this you know this fall or the fall of 2020 and so carly my wife gets drawn for elk which is like the first full week of November, which hmm. is hard for me to swallow. I don't have a tag, but I'm, I don't have an elk tag, but I'm going out there for her, you know, but mm -hmm. I'm missing like the best part of the rut here in Northwest Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So I, as soon as we get done planting wheat, I hunt this deer super hard and I end up seeing him like four times, but he was always, you know, out, way out of range and, and I had learned my lesson I wasn't going to call to him I was just I just let him be and I was trying to adjust to to him you know that's mm -hmm. one, one thing that I'll touch on is I got a, a tree saddle a saddle or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. the year before so going into 2020 I had the saddle and I started utilizing that thing man it has changed the way I hunt mm -hmm. be, to be so mobile it's just it's it's very valuable i think in my opinion mm -hmm. because you're getting in a tree that that deer you that deer has never smelled you in and you've never busted a deer out of that tree or anything you're fresh in that tree they walk by you and they're they're not looking at all mm -hmm. like versus you know sitting at a food plot or you know something like that mm-hmm so I was I was trying to jump around in my saddle and and cause I knew pretty close to where it was bedding down on the river, but I just I couldn't do it. So we ended up leaving for Colorado, and uh, we get back from Colorado and I can't remember when that was, like the 14th or 15th. And this so the 16th, I I'm headed out to check my camera on this permission form. I'm driving along the north edge of it. And right in the fence row is Moose. He was bedded down right in the fence row with a doe. Well, his doe goes north and he goes south. And, and he ends up running almost all the way to the river, which is like over half a mile. Hmm. But it's kind of like rolling sand hills. And I can, he, there's some cedars. He disappears down in there. Well, I have a, I don't know if you're familiar with the stalker decoys mm -hmm. that go on your bow. Mm -hmm. So I have one of those and it's a little buck. And, hide in my pickup so I hide the pickup and jump out strap that thing on my bow and I take off after him because I know he's going to be looking for his doe because they went the opposite directions and I get down in the sand hills and I, I'm all the way up against the river almost 
looking and looking, and I look back toward the truck, and he's like on a beeline to where that doe was. Mm. So, so, and I'd already like gone past him. So I head back north, you know, as fast as I can, and come around this little corner, and there's this little two-year-old buck that sees me and comes is coming right for me. So I had no option. I just sat down in the grass and tried to wait him out. Well, he gets like 10 yards from me and then takes off running, you know, he's spooked or whatever. And so I just like stand up and Moose is standing like 15 yards west of me to my left. <laughs> he's just standing there. He snorts and blows and takes off. Man, I was sick. Well, he had seen that other buck and circled around to see what that other buck was doing. Thought maybe he had his doe or something. And walked almost right on top of me so i was you know i was heartbroken so <laughs> I, so i after that day i had very few pictures of him until so that was like the 16th or 17th of october not I mean of november and then so this deer that my wife ends up shooting with a rifle shows up on our place that we call the homestead which so my daughter's the eighth generation in this farm mm. and they on this place that we call the homestead they have the original deed from the, the land run mm. in 1893 which is pretty cool i think mm -hmm. so on that place this this deer this big deer shows up and so my wife is hunting this deer really hard and and i'm taking care of our daughter so she can hunt this deer and that goes on for like, she hunts him with her bow and right up into rifle season. Then she starts hunting with a rifle. And she ended up killing that deer, I think the 28th, yeah, the 28th of November. And I had been, you know, supporting her doing that the whole time. And I had hardly hunted, you know, moose at all. Mm -hmm. So she, she kills the 28th, which is Saturday. And... Sunday, the following day, my brother and I, so my brother's like a, a film guy. He loves to film and take pictures and stuff. And he's filmed a bunch of my hunts. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, well, well, I'm free. Why don't we go hunt moose? So we go and hunt the the base place, my, my normal farm. And I've got like a five-acre food plot that's kind of runs more or less east and west. And it's kind of like snaky. It's not like a square plot, you know. Mm -hmm. And the winds, like, forecasted be, like, northwest, which doesn't really work for that food plot because it kind of blows it down the food plot. But mm -hmm. I know moose always comes from the west. And I hadn't checked my cameras there in a while. They were like, we'll, we'll give it a shot. So I pulled off of the food plot about... Oh, I don't know, we were probably 30 yards, and I, I sat up in this new tree with my saddle, and I hung a stand for my brother Shane, and so we're sitting there, and some deer have come out into the into the plot, and finally we see moose coming, and he, I mean, he's so far downwind of this plot, you know, he's, but we were off of it enough, but he was still circling, swinging to the downwind side mm -hmm. of our tree. And, you know, I, you know, I was trying to be patient to 
so Shane could get it on film. Because he's, he's not where we expected him. He's coming behind us. And literally, I mean, he has to be within feet of getting our wind. And, I, and I'm telling Shane, I can't, I can't wait anymore. I've got to shoot him. <laughs> and he, like, stops, and he does that, like, you know, like, little jerk, like, sudden stop. Like, wait, mm-hmm. what was that? And I shot him right at that moment. <laughs> Do, you know, double lunged him, and he took off. And, of course, we're, you know, high-fiving or whatever, but he disappears almost immediately. And, you know, when you you shoot that deer, you release, and you're like, yes, but then he disappears, and you're like, oh, no. You know, you start doubting yourself or whatever. And I climbed up in the tree as far as I could, seeing you know, trying to see him, but I didn't see him, so we wait a little bit, get down and look at my arrow. My arrow's covered in blood. I mean, it was a beautiful shot, and he didn't go 50 yards. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it, it was one of the hardest deer that I've ever, like, I almost didn't pull the trigger because I had so much history and so much invested with that deer that I didn't want it to end. Mm-hmm. It was that, I was that close to not shooting that deer. It was, it's hard to, hard to uh, put into words for me, I guess. But mm-hmm. when I, when I walked up on him and saw him laying there, it was just, it was super bittersweet because mm-hmm. it was one of, he was one of those deer that really just, I don't know, like transformed me mm-hmm. because I, I followed him so closely and, he he just taught me so much. So so it was, it was it was really hard. It was almost hard to swallow that he was dead, and I, I wasn't able to hunt him anymore because <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of weird. But yeah, yeah. It was over, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a I'm looking at a rack on my wall right now that uh not a big one. I I think he taped at it like 121 inches or something. But uh, I yeah. had, I had six years worth of pictures of him. And I, I, yeah, and, and you know he wasn't a yearling when I started, so I, I estimate he was eight years old when I killed him. And yeah, I, I've I think I've told the story on a previous podcast. Like this deer had my number, and he busted me so yeah. many times, caught me so many times, and I think I ended up killing him in like I was like January fourth or something. And he like he just slipped oh, yeah. up this one time, and he was in front of me forever. And I and I had that same feeling. It was like, like at this point, like he's. I almost feel bad killing him, but uh, yeah. But yeah. I did. He's on the wall now, so I get to remember him forever. <laughs> yeah. <you know>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't exactly. like him that much. Yeah. I didn't but miss him that much. It's on my wall. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's one of those things, like you said. He, he had your number. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was like I don't know if it was new, but after I got that permission on that farm, like I would hunt the west side. And he would be on the east side. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I'd go check my camera, and he was there in daylight. And I would switch, and he would switch. Like mm-hmm. he, so, so I have this theory that, so if a deer's bedding, like, he's in his bed, and the wind is whatever it is, he wants to go with, you know, his nose in the wind. Mm-hmm. So if he if he's going to go this direction or this direction, the wind's going to be pretty favorable for him to go that way. So it makes it hard for me to mm-hmm. hunt that food plot mm-hmm. because the wind's in his face, you know. Mm-hmm. Or it's hard for him to go over here, you know, go to the west because it's hard for me to hunt that because my wind's going to be blowing toward him. Mm-hmm. So I started, you know, rethinking how I set up, and I would I would 
instead of like having my wind blowing away from where I think the deer is, I want I want that wind to be just off mm-hmm. of where I think he is, mm-hmm. and try to you know try to play that game of inches because when they're coming in and they think they have the wind in their face and you're just off of that, man, they're so much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, in my opinion, I, I guess it's funny. And I've seen that happen over and over up, up here because mm-hmm. they they have so much option of like you know it's pretty much all production ag. Mm-hmm. So they can go this way if the wind's west, or they can go this way if it's east, or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that, because the the buck I was just talking about that I finally ended up killing, I killed him on a west wind, which is a wind that we never have down here. Like, on a normal day, we have a south or a southeast. If we have a cold front, it's a north. And a storm was either coming in or going out, and we had this random west wind, and that's when I ended up killing him, because I think he... I think he just didn't know uh, what to do with it. You know, he wasn't used to that. Uh, so, so that's how yeah. I ended up getting him in the end. Huh. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so that's odd that you don't have west wind down there. No, I mean, hardly ever. Like I said, it, you know, we may have it for a few hours as a front moves in or out. But down here, uh, I'm southeast corner, so kind of catty corner to you. It's pretty much south, yeah. southeast or north. Huh, wow. Yeah, we we can get it like pretty much any direction up here. Mm-hmm. And that and that the wind direction really plays a part in my, my salt plains hunt. Yeah. Because man, it, it was that was one of those hunts that so I killed Moose the twenty ninth of November mm-hmm. and that was a Sunday, Sunday evening. My salt plains hunt started Monday that Monday morning. Yeah. The 30th of November. Hmm. And so, so, when I put in, so I, this last year was the first year I've ever put in for any of the Oklahoma draw hunt, and I drew that tag. <laughs> There's a lot of people hating you yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh-huh. And, and I didn't know what to expect. You know, I've never hunted whitetails on public land, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere. Mm-hmm. I've hunted, I've killed several mule deer out west on public land, mm-hmm. but, I've never killed a, never even hunted a white tail. And I guess this isn't public land, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's different than right. private land. Yeah. So when I drew this tag, I called up there, I drove up there, and I was like, what, what scouting can I do? And they wouldn't let me put a camera up. They wouldn't let me walk in. Hmm. They wouldn't tell me where, you know, where even I was going to hunt at because it's, it's divided into like zones. Hmm. So I had no idea. Where I was going to be, and how long? How long was your hunt? The day of the hunt. <laughs> so it, it started. So you had like an orientation mm-hmm. on Monday, like at nine o'clock or something. So I think I was in a tree by like eleven forty-five mm-hmm. or something like that. And then, and then it runs till the rest of the day Monday, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, and then half a day on Thursday. Gotcha. They call it a four-day hunt, but it's two full days and mm-hmm. two partial days. Gotcha. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the draw hunts are two to three days, and so that's why I was curious. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something to keep in mind too is I I went up there and after the hunt was over and talked to some of those guys up there and they say it's a good year in the archery hunt if they kill one deer per day on a four-day hunt. Wow. Between he said, he said there was 
it wasn't, he couldn't remember how many hunters there were the last time I talked to him, but he said there was close to 50 hunters. Mm. And, and there, and there was five deer killed in the last, last hunt. Wow. Which to me is just crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So once I started finding this, some of this stuff out, my like optimism started plummeting <laughs> because I knew like late December, or I mean, late November and early December is it's a tough time to hunt whitetails if you don't have a good food source. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, this, and I don't know where I'm going to go. This could be, this could be heartbreaking. But so my my uh, I'm thinking at first because I talked to some people that hunted up there in like the muzzleloader season and the rifle season, and they shot some huge deer. And so I'm thinking, oh, this is great. But then I'm still talking to thinking, you know what? I might just be happy with any buck mm -hmm. that walks by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my mindset started shifting. So I shot moose Sunday. I go up there on Monday, do the orientation, and a group of four guys got and me got put into one zone. So there's five of us hunting one zone and it's the zone we were in is like an L basically. And it's like probably close to two miles on the Southwest side and two miles to the North end. And then East and West is probably two miles, but like a big L kind of mm -hmm. it, at, on the deepest, on the shallower side, it was like three quarters of a mile wide. But then on that deep side, it was probably close to two miles. So the, one of the rangers like takes us and we're all like in a little convoy and he kind of shows us waves at all the, where you can park cause they have designated parking spots. There's like three or four designated spot parking spots along there. So we, I'm like last in line and these other guys in front of me and in the ranger. So we pull up to the far West parking lot and we pull like off the road down into this parking lot. And there's a two bucks bedded down with a doe. They have a, so it must have been like a, a fawn that was just coming in or something. Mm -hmm. They were locked down with this doe right by the parking lot. And these guys, these other guys that were in the hunt with me, they were like from south part of the state or something. Mm -hmm. And then they were, they drew this tag. They put in for this tag because they wanted to hunt, you know, northwest Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And, uh. So they saw these two bucks, and one's like a 140-inch A-point, and one's like a smaller 10-point. And they're kind of running around, but they don't want to leave, their, lose their dough. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was comical. These guys are kind of a little exuberant about this. And I'm like, what? That, you know, that half of you drive around anywhere, you see that up here. But mm -hmm. they, you know, to them, it was different. They yeah. hadn't seen that before. So, so I'm like, this is perfect. I'm like, y'all hunt, hunt these deer, and I'll hunt you know, the east side of this place, which is real skinny, but it goes up, you know, a mile, almost two miles. Mm -hmm. So I, they, I don't know, they stayed there and I drove back around to the east side. And so basically on the east border, there's a creek and it's a pretty deep creek. I don't know, 15, 16 feet wide and real slow moving creek. So I, I park in the parking lot and I, you know, get up my stuff ready and, so basically I'm going north on the west side of this creek and the wind is directly from the west. So 
so which is perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I work up in there probably three quarters of a mile, and it's super thick. Like they've gone in there that it looks like it used to be a bunch of trees, but they thin them all. Mm-hmm. So it's like trees thinly, you know, dispersed out throughout there. But then there's like plum thickets, and it's just thick Johnson grass. You can hardly get through there, much less see. So I'm working along the edge of the creek, and there, I mean, there's scrapes and rubs and trails everywhere. So I, at this point, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe maybe this will happen. Mm-hmm. So I get about maybe three quarters of a mile up in there or something, find a hackberry tree and get up in it and immediately see deer. There's some deer <laughs> moving here and there and just does. Mm-hmm. But it's a direct west wind, and this is a, another mistake that I made was I didn't – well, you could call it a mistake, but it ended up being the reason I killed a deer. But I didn't check, like, the weather forecast to see what the, the wind forecast was going to do because mm-hmm. it was directly west. I was like, oh, it's going to be west. Get yeah. up in the tree, and I'm there. I get there about 1130, 1145. I'm there for – it's probably about 1 o'clock. And I feel the wind start shifting to the south, or from the south. And I'm thinking, which is blowing right to where I think, you know, deer might be bedded. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I, have, I haven't, I have like, e-scouted this at all because I had no idea where I was going to be hunting. Just like on my walk-in and stuff, I'm, like, looking on Onyx and trying to, you know, see some stuff. But So I think, you know, this creek that I followed in, about a mile north from the road, it like starts bending to the east and then hooks around and kind of goes west and then back to the north. And there's like this, you know, in that hook, there's, it's a little thicker. So I'm thinking that might be where they're bedded. And I'm like right on the south side of that. Well, the wind starts switching where it's going to blow right into that. And I look at my phone and it's like, yeah, switching to the south. So I pack my stuff up you know, get down and I follow that creek and stay in the bend of that creek and get like to the north side of where that bedding was. But then I see, you know, some more bedding cover, you know, north of there. And I'm like, well, I'm, I can't go wrong getting deeper into this place. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I, I didn't have anything to cross a creek, you know. Mm-hmm. So I take my pants off and wade across this creek there's ice on the creek Oof. and wade across this creek and get you know get my boots and stuff back on and kind of make a big circle to the east and, and north and then kind of drop back down of course by this time it's a south wind well as i'm getting close to where it, where i think i'm close to that creek where i think i kind of want to set it i jumped two bucks there and they weren't they weren't very big bucks but I jumped them and they, they kind of took off and uh, I probably just blew this spot out, but I went ahead and set up in this tree and now it's, you know, probably close to three. So I sat there for a little bit and then deer start moving and I, there's a doe comes by me and then there's a little buck that's pushing her. I mean, like one of those bucks is like that deer is going to be an absolute giant one day. He had, he was a mainframe 10. He had split eye guards, but he was, Tiny, I mean tiny. <laughs> he came by chasing this doe around, and you know, so I, I'm gaining some more confidence. Then I see a, a little bit bigger eight point, 
and man, I try to call to them, but they are so they were I don't know if it was pressure or or what it was, but they would not respond to a call. I mean, they just as soon as he heard that, he took off. So it, it, about thirty minutes before it got dark, I mean, the sun's just setting, and I a couple of does come out on the other side of the creek that I had crossed, pretty much kind of southwest of me. They kind of feed out into this opening. I mean, it's all pretty open, but there's trees along the creek, and they were on the other side of those trees, so I couldn't see them until they were in this little gap in the trees. And so they're kind of hanging out there, and then this buck, the buck I end up shooting, follows them out and kind of checks them, you know, and then he turns and goes back the way he had come. And, it, you know, real, real wide 10-point. I was fired up. So it gets dark, and I I get down and go a long way around back to the truck. You know, it's almost two miles back to the truck. And see what I did. So I went back to that same spot the next morning because it was still a south, south wind, southwest wind. So I went back to the same tree, and I, didn't, I saw one, one small buck, but it was real slow that morning. And so I was planning on staying there all day, but... You know, looking at the forecast, the wind's supposed to change to the east, like a southeast wind, which would be perfect to get on the other side of the creek where that bucket come out mm -hmm. and check those does. So I, I pack up and I move to that side of the creek and I get up in this huge cottonwood tree. Like I could barely get my straps around there for my climbing sticks. <laughs> and I get up in this, in this Y in this cottonwood tree and set up there and... It was super sunny and like, this, you know, perfect wind blowing out of the, the bedding cover. And I was, but it was super sunny, kind of hot, and I was just lazy, you know. I was just kind of sitting there not really paying attention. And that buck came out like a lot earlier than he had the night before. <laughs> and he, I didn't see him until he was probably 60 yards from my tree, and he's coming right at me. And so... But he's coming, like, to the offside. So if you're sitting in one of those saddles, you mm -hmm. have your, your rope, you know, holding you on. Mm -hmm. It's easy to shoot if you're right-handed. It's easy to shoot to the left, which is kind of where I was set up if he had done what he did the night before. Mm -hmm. But he was now he was a little further south, so he's coming behind me. So I have to, like, turn, you know, mm -hmm. and shoot to my right, which is hard as a right-handed mm -hmm. shooter. He's probably, like, 30 yards and walking. You know, directly, like I'm thinking, I'm going to get shot this deer. And, like, I go to make the motion of drawing my bow, and he immediately sees me and looks, like, right at me. And there's, like, a there's a dead tree between us. I have a little bit of cover. So I just freeze and put it that way for, like, I don't know, a full minute. It seems like forever. And finally, he just turns and takes off and runs, like, to the edge of the trees and stands there and blows forever. Mm. Sets there and blows and stomps and blows. And I'm like, I was, I was like, well, that was my shot at a deer on this hunt, and I just blew it. And so I'm super disgusted with myself. Mm. And I sat there for a little bit longer. I'm like, this is pointless. <clears throat> so I get down and I start walking back to the truck. Well, like a half a mile from the truck, or less than half a mile, is this huge. 10 point. I mean, he is big. Like, 
he's with a doe, but he, they had seen me first. Mm. And so I just sat there and watched him for a while. They kind of calmed down, but there was no way I was getting on. But this deer was big. So I'm like, the next morning, I'm going to go hunt that deer, which is a lot closer to the pickup. <laughs> and it was supposed to supposed to snow mm. that that next morning. So I get out there, and it's like a blizzard. And I go up, get in the tree, you know, in the dark and get set up. And it's, I mean, you can't hardly see it snowing so hard. It's a straight north wind, freezing cold. And so I sat there until like, not that long, nine o'clock or something. And, and fro, you know, froze my feet off and <laughs> didn't see one single deer. <laughs> Finally, I'm like, I'm done with this. I got down. And I went back to to the house, and I ended up checking some of my cameras. And there was a new, kind of plays into a different story, but there was a new buck that had shown up that my brother ended up shooting. Mm. Uh, just right under 170, mainframe 12. Mm. And so this deer showed up on eyes, so I was all excited about that deer. But and I'm like, I'm going to give it one more shot on the Salt Plains deal. So that was that was on Wednesday. It closed out Thursday at noon or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm gonna go up there and hunt Wednesday evening, but I'm not gonna hunt Thursday morning. The mornings weren't they just weren't that great, it seemed yeah. like. But so I get up there, back up there at like twelve thirty or one, and so it's like a north, it's like a north wind, north maybe a little northeast, and it's still snowing. But not near as heavy, but it's still snowing. So basically, I kind of had a hub where most of the bucks had come out of or had gone into. And it was right in the bend of that creek. So I had a good idea of where they were bedding. So I'm like, I'm going to go right into the, as close as I think I can to the bedding. And, and see if I can catch one of them coming in or out or whatever. So I'm, of course, it's like, a mile and a half walking there. So I'm getting closer and closer and the wind starts switching more and more to the West, which is, you know, if it gets to the West, it's going to blow right into where they're going to be coming from. So I look at my phone and it's like nothing. It says North wind all, all the rest of the days. I'm like, what? So I want to make a decision that it says, you know, on the fact that it says North wind, but right where I'm standing, it's out of the West almost. So I'm like, I have to get to the other side of this bedding area. But to do that, either I have to go, you know, two miles around or I have to just walk straight through it. Mm-hmm. So I decide I'm going to walk right through this bedding. And so I start walking and as soon as I get to the edge of like the trees across the opening, there's a buck bed in this little thicket right on the edge. It's kind of cool because when he got up and took off finally, like, you could see the perfect outline of where he was laying because mm. the snow had covered him. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. But he was a little, he was a little dink. <clears throat> so I just keep slow. I mean, I'm going so slow. And it's snowing and quiet. And there's a little, like, falling down, uh, I think it was a cottonwood tree, and a bunch of little cedars had grown up in it. Well, I'm right on the south side of that. And this buck explodes out of that. I mean, I'm like 15 yards from this deer. He just explodes out of there and takes off. 
and he was a good deer. I, I definitely would have shot him, but it wasn't the one I ended up shooting. But he takes off running to the north, and I'm like, I just blew two deer out of this. And I'm like, I was right. They're bedding here, but I just blew them out. So I'm like, well, I can't lose anything by sitting here. And, you know, sitting in the street. So I find this tree, and it's like by this point, it's starting to rain. And the rain is freezing to the tree. Mm. So, like, I'm trying to climb up this big cottonwood tree. <clears throat> it has ice on one side of it, you know. And I get set up, and I, like I told myself, I was like, I'm getting down before it gets dark because it's a little sketchy setup. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty high up in this tree, too. Well, these deer, from, from so far from what I can tell, they're, like, walking around, and they're, like, looking in the trees, which the deer I hunt, you know, down the river and stuff aren't aren't like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm using this giant trunk of this cottonwood tree to like shield me from where I think they're coming from, kind of come from or whatever. <clears throat> so, you know, I get set up fairly early, one thirty or 2 o'clock or something, and it's still, you know, raining. At that point, it's raining, but it's not like sleet. It's like rain, and it's freezing to my bow. My bowstring was frozen. My bow was frozen, and I was frozen. And so I'm... I'm just like hugging this tree and I trying to stay dry, but I'm sl- slowly getting wet. And like in, in my head, it's, I'm, you know, it's just telling me, okay, just get down. You're crazy. You know, get down mm-hmm. and go home. You, you gave it a good try. And I'm like, I got to stick it out. And finally I see this doe. She comes down to this um, hedge apple. I don't know if you have hedge apple trees in mm-hmm. that part of the state. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, which I've rarely seen deer eat hedge apple, but she, this doe, comes to this hedge apple tree, and she's sitting there eating these hedge apples for, like, five minutes. And then she turns, after she's done, she turns and walks right toward me. And I can see this faint trail. She walks right on this trail, right by me. And, uh, and I'm thinking, she went by me. She didn't bust me. You know, there is hope. And then, uh, 30 minutes after that, I see a deer moving toward that hedge apple tree. And so, like, I'm scared to pick... I mean, it's 60, 70 yards, but I'm scared to pick them up binoculars because they've been, like, seeing me so quick. Mm. So I, I decide I'm just going to keep my release clipped on the bow. I'm not going to move. I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. And I, I can see it's a buck, and he, he goes to that hedge apple tree and eats for a minute, and then he comes right, you know, right like that doe did. And I, then at that point, I could tell it was the deer that I had seen, you know, that busted mm-hmm. me in the tree the other the, that previous day, and the one that I would seen that for opening day. But he had a broken off tine on his on his G two, and he he was easily recognizable. But so he's coming right for me, and at like thirty yards, he stops. He like stops, looks around, and then looks right at me. And I was about I was about ready to cry. I was like, "No way!" And I hadn't moved or any. I mean, I was leaning on that tree. I was dead still. And but the rain on my the hood of my I had like a raincoat on, and but I put a shirt over my raincoat because I didn't want the rain to make that sound on it. Mm-hmm. But my hood of the raincoat was the rain was making an odd sound on it. So I was like, maybe you heard that. I don't know. And he stared at me for several seconds, just looking right at me. <laughs> and at that point, you're like, I'm like, just 
run off. You know, if you're going to run, just run. Get it over with. <laughs> but finally, he just puts his head back down and starts walk, you know, walking. But instead of taking the trail that the doe had, he, the doe had taken, he kind of veered off. And now he's like quartering away from me. Well, I don't know, probably 21 yards or something. And I, now I kind of hate to say this part, but so I draw and he, he doesn't stop or anything. I got mm-hmm. drawn. He didn't know I was there. And I'm like, do I stop him? Cause if I bleed at him or something and stop him, he might just take off. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'll, I'll shoot him as he's walking. Well, I, I hit a limb and I shoot like a two blade cut on contact broadhead. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, this little, I don't know, smaller than my pinky, you know, just a little limb that was hanging in the way. And I cut that limb off of the tree. It like falls down. And it deflects the arrow into his right in front of his hand, real high. Mm. <clears throat> and I, I mean, I cut his femoral artery right too, mm. <clears throat> which was, you know, which killed him super quickly. Right. But when I saw that arrow go, I was like, oh no, after all this. And, and he ran 50 yards, stopped, and fell over. You know, I, mm. I watched him die and everything, but mm-hmm. you, you know, you hate to hit a deer not where you're mm-hmm. not where you're aiming right yeah he, but, but he runs over stands there for a minute and falls over man i was i about fell out of that tree <laughs> good thing i was tied into it mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that hunt was one of the like one of those roller coaster hunts that it's not definitely not the highest scoring deer i have but it mm-hmm. is that deer means more to me than any other deer that I've shot mm-hmm. because I wasn't able to scout that place at all. Like I knew, I didn't even know where I was going to be hunting till that day. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and persevered and, and did it, you know? So I think that's a testament to just sticking it out and, you know, and just giving it everything that, that you have, because even though I made multiple mistakes on that day, I still was able to get a shot at the mm-hmm. same deer that I had scared, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it, it can happen. Yeah. I think that's an awesome just <clears throat> just don't give up story, you know? Just because you yeah. bust a buck does not mean he's going to run three counties away and you'll never see him again. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> you know, so then I was able to, you know... It took me a while to get down because, I mean, there was literally ice hanging off that tree, and it was brutal cold. It took me a while to get down and packed up and then to the deer, but putting, getting up to that deer, it was, it was just exhilarating, that's for sure. And it was a good deer, too. So then they don't, yeah, oh, yeah, he's just over 150 as a 10-point with a broken G2. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That is an accomplishment. Yeah. So they don't let you, you know, you can't bring a buddy in to get that deer out, help mm-hmm. you get them out. But they, you know, they'll offer to help you if mm-hmm. no one else is hunting in there. You're not going to mess anyone else's hunt up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I gutted that deer and drug him further than I wanted to drag him <laughs> to where they could get to him with a pickup. And finally, after it got dark, the guy came up in there help me let him up mm. and it was still pouring rain mm. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it, was, it was awesome yeah yeah sweet man that uh two awesome stories and very informative too uh 
yeah, I'm, I'm really glad uh, we got to do this together. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I enjoyed it. I loved, you know, I love the, the hunting aspect of it. And I love, you know, just sitting around and, and telling stories and mm-hmm. lear- learning from each other. Because mm-hmm. we, all, we all experience it differently. And we all, you know, we can all take away something differently or whatever and yeah i think it's, it's awesome to be able to relate these stories to mm-hmm. other people and, mm-hmm. and man i love i love listening to other people's stories too mm-hmm. yeah well you definitely uh you definitely raised my goals now you know i uh i've killed uh I think three out of the last four years, I've got two bucks, but I've definitely never done three. And so you got a new, yeah. you got a new standard for me. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you ever get drawn up here, let me know. All right, I will. I will. I'll send I'll send you some uh, Onyx tins and stuff. <laughs> All right, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, sweet man, we're uh, we're pretty much out of time, but you did a great job telling those stories, and I really appreciate you coming on. Well, yeah, uh, not a problem. Thanks real, for having me, man. Real quick, uh, I should have asked you this before. Uh, if you would like to, you don't have to. Would you like to shout out your social media or anything like that uh, so people can find you? Yeah, sure. You can find me on Instagram at Tyrell Roy. Tyrell Roy. Make be. Yeah, pretty easy to find on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but I don't really do that much. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. All righty. Awesome, Ty. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, man. And another one bites the dust. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Uh, man, a huge shout out to uh, Tyrell for coming on and talking to me awesome success stories i mean just a dream season uh something all of us should uh you know aspire to so yeah uh again i'm going to keep this outro nice and short because we went a little long today but i think it was well worth it happy memorial day everybody and until next week i will see you guys later